And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Would you like to be the fountain of football knowledge within your friendship group, either down the pub or in the group chat? Because if so, the Athletic Football Tactics podcast is surely the podcast for you. I'm Ali Maxwell, and every week the Athletic's tactics guru, Michael Cox, it's data whiz Mark Kerry and myself take a tactical deep dive into the week's biggest talking points. This week we'll be assessing the ever-changing role of the modern number nine and wondering if it's having a renaissance, and if so, how Erling Haaland, Darwin Nunez and Gabriel Jesus' big summer moves have shaped that conversation. We're also taking a look at Manchester City against Liverpool and asking if this is still the biggest fixture that the Premier League has to offer or not. Make sure to check out our back catalogue too. Three years worth of episodes featuring more nostalgic lookbacks at iconic teams and seasons from yesteryear like Carlo Ancelotti's Christmas tree formation at AC Milan or Mesut Ozil's Arsenal legacy. It's good fun and the experts bring a ton of insight. So join us. Just search for the Athletic Football Tactics podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow and subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee and Paul Bias are with me. Hi, Sam. Hello. Hi, Paul. Hello, guys. How are you doing both? Are you both well? Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Um, I'm in Copenhagen. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. And you made me got up quite early for my standards, but I'm not going to complain anymore, so... Could yeah, have been I, worse, though, Paul, because he is yeah. an hour ahead of us, so... Uh. Yeah, it could have been worse, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, my initial suggestion was an hour even earlier than this. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to play my hand somehow. Exactly. Yeah, you got to take the wins where you can get them, mate. you got to take the wins where you can get them. Uh, you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to sign up. You'll get these podcasts without the ads as well. So go and sign up at theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Uh, if you do that, then you can uh, read uh, Paul's piece this week on uh, Erling Haaland. Uh, it's hard not to keep singing his praises, talking about how quickly he's settling in, talking about how easy he's uh, finding it to score at the moment, talking about his sense of where to be. Uh, Paul, you get into all of that and and, uh, and kind of how he's settling in this piece, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of... Because, of course, like, Haaland has been... Like, the adaptation to Man City has been so smooth that basically the rest of Europe is just, like, wondering when they could l- potentially lure him out from Manchester. Um, and, yeah, just the, the article, of course, like, there's, of course, like, the bit of info on the release clause and how it wor- works out and pans out. But there is also, like... I guess a nice bit on how Haaland, why Haaland is happy in Manchester and how it happened basically. Um, what's he doing here? Why he feels right in the dressing room, which I think is key. And it's something that Pep has been widely like spoken about in the press conference. And it's something um, that Pep really rates and it's important for him just to um, feel that 
um, the club is going on the right that, that, that direction. And yeah, basically, just ju- ju- just to know like everything on Haaland's first month here in Manchester. Yeah, Sammy's. Um, I mean, that thing about being in the right place at the right time. Uh, it's. Ne- I don't think it's been more noticeable than than uh, this week. Basically, he ke- like he he keeps finding ways for the ball to land at his feet in the box, even after it's taken like double deflections. I don't. I don't really understand how it happens. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of put my finger on that for an article. Basically, um, the Copenhagen manager last week uh, said. Just the the way he goes there while the ball ball's traveling is is kind of the special thing, um, and it, it, but yeah, it, it is like a sixth sense, isn't it? Um, it? It's an interesting debate, and again, it's one I've, I have mentioned in articles, but it's one I want to dig deeper into because um, Guardiola said it a few times, I think, including in the last week about how you just can't teach that. You know, he just got it. But um, when he said that the first time, Gary Lineker on Match of the Day after the the Forest hat trick. He was like, he directly addressed what Guardiola said. He was like, I think he can teach that. He was like, he goes, I would love to work with young strikers and tell them what to do because I see I see strikers making wrong decisions all the time and I'll tell them what runs to make. And he was like, it's a numbers game. If you, if you make those runs often enough, you will get the goal. So it's interesting. And when I was in Norway earlier in the year, um, his co- I, asked, I asked both his coaches, you know, not with this in mind, months down the line. I was just like, is it, is it natural? And one was like, yeah, yeah. And but the other one, it was a bit more thoughtful. Like gave a lot of reasons why he didn't think it was, and it was all maybe it was a bit of self praise because it was about coaching and repetitive movements and actions and stuff. But it is interesting, and I think there has been an improvement in what he does in the area, even like since he joined Dortmund as well. So he is always kind of evolving and improving. But yeah, that ability to be there, just just to be there in the right place. The, the two goals last week against Copenhagen were the example, weren't they? Like, yeah, I took I how, took my partner. That, how, how was he there for them? Yeah, I took my partner to the Copenhagen game, and uh, it was after the second one where I think the se- the second one the goalkeeper spilled it to him, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and uh, Harlem was just there to to put it in, and my partner just said to me, "How like how does he know? How does he know that that's where it's it's going to be?" And it, and it is like it is almost percentages because if you follow in enough times, you get the tapping. Um, but it, like, it's not even that. It's it's the times when a low cross into the box takes two flicks on its way through and then still lands at his feet. I, I, I don't understand how it happens. Yeah, and I think um, I wanted to. I think this point is like really well raised because that's what fascinates Pep in terms of he's the guy that tries to tell his players what is going to happen. But on the one area, he cannot tell anyone what's going to happen because he doesn't know. He's on deflections, on like goal instinct. He was not like number nine, as Sam was mentioning now with Gary Lineker, that he might have the expertise and the experience there. Um, and that's what basically fascinates Pep. Pep is a guy that wants to calculate everything and have and calculate something incalculable by, by himself. And yeah. that's why I guess that we saw the reaction that we saw from Pep after that second goal against Hoppenhagen. And that's why Pep highlights this ability that he has because, I mean, my take is that he's really fascinated by that. Yeah, yeah. Paul, just while we, you mentioned the um, release clause stuff as well, oh, yeah. um, let's let's clear that up because there's been uh, a bit of debate over what Guardiola said uh, this week. Um, what's the situation with it all? So basically what, what Guardiola said is that there are no like uh, preferential terms for, for Real Madrid or for any club in the world. Thing is that Haaland will have a, a release clause that is going to start from summer 2024. Um, and firstly, it's going to be valued on 200 million euros. 
then it's going to be de decreasing until the end of his contract still didn't have quite sorted out like the amount of decreases of this contract or to what extent it is it going to decrease but it is de de decreasing um, and yeah basically that's that's like the situation and Pep Guardiola yeah just wanted to point out because in 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 a Spanish press there was like a big rumor uh, going around that Real Madrid had a special clause for them and that's not the case um, there, there will be a clause but it's going to be for all the clubs around Europe and that's the other interesting point because this clause um, does not apply to English rivals to Premier League clubs so Basically, the thought of Haaland playing on another uh, short in the Premier League, um, it's almost impossible right now. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I don't see. I wouldn't have seen how that that transfer would happen anyway. Whether or not, like, he, he, even if there were, even if the clause was open to Premier League clubs, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just my naivety, but I don't know. I, I kind of, I don't know which Premier League club would be able to afford the package because I mean, it's not just a case of pay the release clause, you get the play. You've then got everything else on top, haven't you? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Because of course there there are going to be like Asian fees. There's going to be an important salary in there. That it's going to be a massive operation, just for anyone that wants to be all in on it, basically. And like speaking to multiple sources, like in the industry that might know how this kind of transfers go, they like really point out that the team that is gonna really want Haaland, it's not going to be like an easy deal for for them in terms of like. Yeah, it's not going to be like a touch and go. It's going to be like we, we're going to have to talk. We're going to have to know all the conditions. We're going to have to um, speak about them, see how we have to, yeah, how we have to pay all the closes or yeah, just manage to to know all the bonuses. So yeah, basically, and I think in the same way, I mean, I I, I don't know if that piece is going to be read like for many fans as yeah, Holland could potentially leave City, but I think that basically just put into paper i think that we've discussed that here on that podcast on that podcast in the past but it just put uh into paper what city has been doing in the last five six years in the in the transfer window i mean if if Haaland or bernardo silva or anyone wants to leave he can leave just bring a good offer on the table and we're gonna listen to 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 that offer but at the same time i think that uh, no one can deny that the business that city did with Haaland, despite religious clause and a potential uh, price to sell him it's been so smart and it's been so good yeah so kicks in from uh, summer 2024 um, yeah. 200 million I mean that's the thing isn't it Sam if you if you're gonna if you're gonna say bring us a good offer for Erling Haaland 200 million seems quite uh, about fair <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh, and as much as anything you know it's not like football manager I'm sure this used to be the case on football manager but you just put in a release clause for like ridiculous amounts. And to be fair, that's what they do in Spain, isn't it? Especially since, I, yeah. I guess it happened first after Figo. After Real Madrid actually paid 60 yeah, million yeah. euros for Figo, everyone went, shit, we better bump these numbers up. And then obviously, they kind of got complacent with it. And then when PSG paid the numbers for Neymar, they're like, right, this can't happen again. Let's whack them up really high. But, you know, in this kind of negotiation, City could never turn around and say, okay, yeah, you want a release clause? How about a billion pounds? That's, that was <laughs> never going to happen. So, yeah, 200 million you're well, 200 million euros. It, it's a big amount, if, even if it, if it decreases a bit. Yeah, fine. But um, yeah, like, like everything Paul said, it's a number that's set in stone. It's a high number. He's happy in Manchester now anyway. Um, it's not necessarily worth thinking. It's information that's good to, to know, and it's excellent from Paul that we've finally been able to put a number on it. Everybody knows now. It's out in the open. There is a release clause. There's no one in an R in. 
It's done. Everybody knows it. But in terms of its relevance, like, are we going to be worrying about this in six months' time? No, you know, it's yeah. not. It's not yeah. relevant now at all. So it's it's perfect. Like it, it's great that we that we know about it, but it's not something to worry about, as as Paul says brilliantly. Yeah, and uh, just kind of looking on how Haaland has settled in Manchester, Sam. There's there's a few little um, a few little things that kind of indicate how how things are going for him. Like in that he's got his favourite restaurant already, and you know he lives he lives with other like near other city players, near the city centre, that sort of thing. All those sorts of, of ways of uh, of kind of integrating yourself into a new city. It, it kind of it, it seems like everything is bang on at the moment. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of this otherworldly figure, isn't he? And he's you know he's the only player City have had in the Guardiola era that's like a bigger personality than Guardiola and a bigger attraction because the whole thing has been about you know it's it's just about the team isn't it and, and kind of Guardiola is probably the most interesting individual you know for all the quality players they've got you know now there's loads of Haaland shirts been sold and he's you know everyone's talking about him everybody that's not even a City fan like wants to watch him you know abroad everybody's talking about Haaland you know it's this big massive thing and it's almost treated like you know, before he came, certainly, and he, especially now that he's scoring, he actually is scoring loads of goals. But before he came, it was almost like, well, this guy is just going to be perfect. He's going to fit in perfectly. He's going to score a million goals and say, you're going to win everything ever. And look, that still may be the case. But what he had to do was remember that he is just a 22 year old lad who wants to improve, needs to improve, like is determined to improve. And as much as he's got these mad numbers, and as much as he is a bit of a mad character. Like he isn't he is a strange fella. And he is kind of ungainly on the pitch. You know that you know that that video the city put on their social media of like the Edison long kick late in the game to the halfway line, he kind of slid to get it. Like <laughs> yeah. If he wasn't scoring loads of goals, people would be like, Why is why is this? What guy are you doing? doing? Yeah. But, but like but because you know, because it's this whole kind of brand and cult of Haaland or whatever, it everything is fine. But you do kind of considering this kind of alien but then when you speak to his teammates about him it's like he's just no he's just a normal person like he's just like they're not saying stop asking us but it's like i know this is how he looks and everything is mad but he is just a normal guy like he's just motivated to win he, he's motivated to improve you can tell by his interviews that he just he doesn't think too much about what you know, what should happen, what could happen. He just focuses on what he needs to do. He doesn't think about like, oh, am I going to score two or three or four today? Just what he needs to do. His preparation's great. And he's like, and again, City couldn't be as good as they have been and as consistent as they have been over the last few years without all the players being like that. Yeah. So, yeah, he just kind of fits in. And he is like a normal guy. I suppose it sounds a bit like a Marvel thing, but he is like a normal guy with like, superpowers yeah powers, you know what i mean yeah it's like yeah it's, it is a bit like that it is a bit like that yeah clark kent without the glasses um he uh, he took he, he took the physio on international duty with him paul uh, which is it's it, that's a, a kind of a, a, an odd development um but it, it does show the relationship that he's getting with the city staff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean um i think it's not the first time that a city physio travels with a player to um, yeah, to, or an international break, or just to um, be close to him for for some treatment. But yeah, I think something that City has been really um, really aware of is, and I think it's something that um, goes back to the day that when when they signed Pep. Pep, one of the biggest concerns that Pep had at Bayern Munich 
was his medical staff. Um, he had seasons with loads of injuries at Bayern. Um, it's been well documented in Marti Perarnau's book that his relationship with Bayern's doctor wasn't like the probably like the best best one or the most fluid one. Um, so when he came to Man City, um, Chiki and Fran Soriano and everyone involved in the club had like crystal clear that they needed to provide the proper medical staff and physiotherapist and uh, a sports scientist to Pep just to make sure that he wouldn't find any kind of problem in that regard again. And I think that it has paid off, not just because of the injury record, but just with examples that you see with Holland right now. Um, they have a so involved team of like doctors and physios that, that they can get that. They can get physios to reach that relationship with players. I think that there's there might be also like a bit of an element of like like a lucky charm for Holland. I mean he started the season working with 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 Mario, with Mario Pafundi. Um and why not continue with him and just being close to him if things has panned out half uh, just in the way that they've done. Um but yeah I think um, it's something that also highlights like the work that City has been doing on the on the long term for for the last five six years. Yeah, and just on the pitch, Sam. Uh, just before we move on to a, a, a little bit more of the uh, the football talk, um, the, the relationship that he's getting, especially with uh, with Foden and De Bruyne, uh, looks like it's it's ever improving. I mean, you, you mentioned about um, early in the season, City were were trying to play too quickly to him. Um, has that changed now? Do you think? Yeah, it suddenly dawned on me before the Southampton game on Saturday. I was like, oh, do you remember that? Because um, it just hasn't happened, has it? Like, I always go back to that Crystal Palace game as kind of an example of what Guardiola was saying about, you know, Messi could kind of score the goals by himself. But, you know, Haaland needs the help from the team. And that's fine. That's absolutely normal. You know, Haaland. I mean, we've seen him do like take people on and do dribbles, but he's not going to pick up the ball on halfway line on the right wing and dribble in field and put it in the top corner like Messi can. And that's fine. It's just a statement of fact. but And that Crystal Palace game was a great example of that because they were rushing so much in that first half to try and get the ball to him. Walker was in that kind of inside position having to play like really progressive line-breaking passes, which he he couldn't do on, on, on the day. And, you know, I'm dubious about whether we can do it generally. Um, and then after half-time, they stopped doing that. And, you know, they started feeding him. They were more patient. They started feeding him properly. Uh, and he scored a hat-trick. Uh, and then I was like, oh, that playing to him too quickly, which I thought they would, they did at Villa as well in that one-all draw. They just haven't done that at all, haven't they? Have they? Like, there's been no like aimless long ball from Rodri, Cancelo, Walker, like, whoever's been playing fullback in on looking for side. that that space in behind for him to run into. Yeah, which there have yeah. been in the, in some of the first games. That that just stopped. It's not like oh, after that Villa game where let's say there were six, or the next game there was two, and then there was one. It's just stopped. It's just stopped altogether. Um, so it's just interesting that the kind of the kind of phases that the City team is going through already this season, like with Guardiola saying, well, he didn't say that. He kind of disputed that that was so big a thing. But I think if you did look at those games, you would you would see um, that it was happening. And then we've seen recently, like after the derby, when obviously scored six goals, played really well, especially in the first half. And he was like, important players are doing the simple things wrong, just like giving the ball away in the build-up. And then when I asked him about it the other week, he was like, yeah, you like you just got to pass the players in the blue shirt, not the players in a red shirt, and we've not been doing that. Um, but again, that uh, maybe it was just one game, but he kind of suggested it was a, a, a general thing. Um, but again, Southampton, you know, they, they didn't really have those problems, and in fact, you know, Southampton were pressing quite high with four players, and City just kind of maneuvered around it very, very well. So again, yeah. it'll be interesting as the games go on, especially Anfield on Sunday, how that does go, 
Um, but again, that's one of those things where, you know, maybe that's just nipped in the bud, like well, as it's barely just begun. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's have a listen to what Guardiola said, Sam, because as you said, you asked him about the uh, what simple things uh, City can improve. Uh, this is what he said. The most difficult thing in football is do the easy things. And the easy things is we are not doing some departments not, not really well. So we are alone, the simple passes, and we lost it. And this is our principles. The most biggest and more important principles that we have is we have the ball, we have to pass the ball, to the guys who wear the blue T-shirt, we cannot give it to the red T-shirt. And uh, I'm not saying uh, in the final third in the situation you have to dribble one or two, lose the ball. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking that you are simply just pass the ball. And lately we are not doing good. And again, in important stages, in important games, always will be a trouble, a problem. And it's easy to do, easy to to solve it because they are good enough to do the simple things, easy. That's what I was going to say. If they're the simple things that they're doing wrong, is it is it simple? Obviously, if it was a couple of games, Wolves and United, is it just as simple as you talk to them last few days today and it should be sorted out soon? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. So that was Guardiola uh, speaking about uh, the improvements to the uh, the simple things. It's that red shirt, that, that pass into a blue shirt thing uh, that uh, kind of really stands out because it's a it, it, it's one of those things that you get taught as a young age. Oh, you know, always find a find a player in your in in, in your same colour shirt, and it's it just I find it mad that it's still at, at the top level they still talk about things like that. Um, Paul, just on that uh, that four nil uh, against Southampton, like with Crystal Palace, um, it, you know they they, they did. A very good job of, of of dealing with a team that caused them problems last season. Um, as Sam said about passing through the press, I thought they did a really good job of of, of kind of working out on the field where the space would be. I, uh, that first half, um, the first half especially, Southampton were, were were really trying to pin City back, and it was it was almost like Bernardo dropped a little bit deeper and Rodri, you know, found that little bit of space to be able to to offer that outlet, and then. I, I got the impression that City hadn't really got through that Southampton defence um, until they scored a, you know, a, a, a good number of times. But I got the impression that when they were going to get through, they were really going to get through. Yeah, I think that um, probably like, um, and it's kind of a normal thing um, regarding like the number of games that they've played over the last week. Um, but yeah, it just... It, Probably City weren't as brilliant as they were on the Manchester Derby. That they were really good, but I think that you can see how mature the team is. I mean, 
they just know. I think that they really know how to read all the spaces where where they have to position themselves. I think that Bernardo Silva has evolved to a player so clever tactically that he can play as a false nine, he can play as a winger, or he can play as Rodri next to Rodri, um, and he just stacks just to the space or to the position that the team really needs at at any certain point. And when that happens, when all the players, not just Bernardo, but Kevin, but like everyone knows which spaces you have to fulfill and which spaces you have to attack. I mean, it's so difficult for any team in the world just to stop them. Um, and I think that this was the case against Southampton. Uh, more, uh, or rather than a brilliant, um, powerful display, it was like a mature team that know how to do things, basically. Um, and they yeah, they just know how to um, how to play under Pep Guardiola and they just do it by heart uh, at this point. Yeah, there was there was a, a couple of moments in, especially in the first half, Sam, because Cancelo was on my side of the pitch in the in the first half, where L- um, <laughs> uh, where um, they they passed it into Cancelo, and Southampton kind of got they they tried to get three bodies around him to to cut off any forward pass and show him just one pass, which was either back to Edison or back to to Nathan Ake, and the number of times where City played it to him, knowing that that was going to happen in order for him to accept the pressure and then knock it back and, and, and kind of switch it to the side really quickly. It's 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 not a new concept, but it's it's almost like you take that performance that they put in against Southampton last season where they were where they kept trying to find Rodri and you know they just couldn't the the, the build up just couldn't work. I, is this Guardiola doing something different or is it the team finding a way on the pitch? Do you know what I mean? Where, where, like the, the team themselves have come up with the solution to what the pressure or what Southampton were doing. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of find another angle of this, and people were talking about, oh, well, Haaland will be the difference because Southampton got two draws against City. Like, like Southampton are much worse now. Yeah. That's just part of, there's, there's part of that as well. That's, Southampton are just worse. Um, and also, like, okay, they got two draws last season, and they were very difficult. And okay, if they played like that again with the same kind of, I don't know, quality in the team or vibe around the team or whatever, then it may have been difficult. But, you know, results change from one season to another. And to be honest, I wish I had another one, but I'm sure the season before, well, um, Leeds. City dropped points against Leeds both times in that pandemic season. And then they beat them 7-0 last year. Like, it, it just happens, doesn't it? Yeah, things change. Um, but yeah, I mean, City, they are, they always are finding ways, aren't they? They they always are coming up with solutions. And, you know, the other th- you know, one of those things that Haaland said in the interview, which a million of Guardiola's players have said is, you know, he, he tells us what to do on the Friday and then on the Saturday it happens on the pitch and I'm amazed kind of thing. You know, that's just analysis and, you know, knowing what to look for. Because, like, me and you could watch uh, five games of Southampton and go, all right, what the fuck? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, what, what are we going to do? Know, but, but, yeah, you know, Guardiola and his analysts watch five games and go, okay, right, well, we're doing this. Um, and he, he said last week, Guardiola, he goes, it doesn't always work. But, you know, often it does. And... But, you know, they make loads of different changes in games that we don't really notice anyway. Copenhagen went to five at the back last week at half time, and they had to change how they were doing things. And, you know, that's kind of the benefit. So when you talk about, so I suppose it doesn't really matter. Or maybe it does. But when you look at Derby results and why they've been so one-sided, you know, obviously the one recently and the two last season in particular, and even before why there's been such a gulf, and it hasn't always worked on the pitch. But Guardiola's been there for so long now. The players largely have been there for so long, or even the new ones, they kind of get it. They, you know, if the team defends in a different way to what they were expecting, Guardiola obviously spots it straight away. 
and his and his assistants do too. And the players are like clever enough to implement any any changes they need to make. They might make they might realize the changes themselves. If they're told them, they'll take it on board. They're able to do that. And obviously, like in terms of derbies and whoever it is, other teams, they obviously don't have a manager like that. They don't have the quality like that. And also they don't have the time together. So that's why City can find these solutions yeah. um, from one game to the next or even from like one half to the next or, you know, 10 minutes from one 10 minute portion of the game to the next. Cause they've just got these, they've just got all these tools to, to do it. Yeah. Um, let's talk a bit more about Manuel Akanji because uh, Guardiola was glowing about him after the game on Saturday. Uh, he was asked in the uh, post-match press conference if he knew that Akanji could play at right back. This is what he said. I thought he listen. There are the players that you have to explain ten times the things. There are players to train ten times the, what you are thinking or what you want to do. And this guy, we need just one training session just to say thing, and he got it. The moment has to do the fullback. You know, high pressing didn't train in once. And he did it perfectly. With the ball, he's a magnificent player. Uh, our build-up should be today with three in the back, and that's why in the position like normally play Kyle or John, we thought could do it. Have a little bit scary because we didn't prove it before. The movement had to go up at the pitch to make pressing come back, defend the crosses in the far post. He didn't miss one, so he was absolutely perfect and. Uh, the proof again, intelligent persons and people always pay off worthy, so they are really, really good. Manu is, uh, it was a huge impact since, since we arrived, so again, so the club make an incredible, incredible signing with him, but real, real, real one. And we are very pleased, all of us. I, I was going to ask you about uh, Kanji Pet because obviously there's been so much attention on Harlem this summer. And- Kanji's played a very important role, I guess, because of all the injuries you've had. Is he surprised you went quickly settled? Yeah. And why do you think team other teams maybe didn't have a look at him? Because he wasn't a huge amount of money by all the standards. Listen, in 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 terms of uh, of uh, of sign players or don't sign players, all of us we make a good things and a bad bad things. So you you never know. It was a disopportunity when we realized that Aime didn't know. Unfortunately, Aime was playing 90 minutes last day. It was brilliant. And but Nathan and John, they have sometimes they are not consistent to play every three days. And uh, I said, oh, we need for this season we need a striker and I, a central defender. And we were lucky to to have him. So uh, he's very pleased. That all highlights is from from Erling. So he's perfect at home with the family. Uh, Study the mathematics and <laughs> these kind of things, and uh, and uh, and and yeah, I'm very pleased because now I discover we discovered today where we need three in the back playing right. Wow, with the absent from 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 Kyle for a long time and John, I don't know who will be back. Have this chance, you know, to play right back in that position. That kid can go there. It's so important for us. We have an, another weapon in the set pieces, in the long balls. How aggressive he is with the ball, having Carol composer. All the packages, it's perfect. I was going to say because a lot of players do tend to take a bit of time to settle here sometimes yeah. because of the way you play. But I want to say right? when you are in Delhi, I thought I didn't know him, but you realize immediately with the guy with Carlos with said business. He said to me, it's just to say to tell it once. He knows it. The movement, defensively, offensively. He trained, pay attention, and he executed perfectly. And this is a, is a. A gift for the manager. It's a gift. Uh, a part of it is that 
excellent, excellent person. So that was uh, Guardiola speaking after the game against Southampton. Sam, you also spoke to Akanji in the mix zone after the Southampton game. Uh, there were other reporters in this as well, uh, but I've cut all their questions out. So um, it's, it, it sounds like you're interviewing him, but there were other people there. Um, this is what he said uh, when asked if he was expected to settle in so quickly. That's what, uh, what uh, my expectations are to myself. That's why, why I came here. And um, my goal is to play in every game. Um, in the end, it's the coach's decision. I try to make it as hard as possible. But yeah, that's the that's the goal I set for myself. How did you find out about City's interest in the summer? Well, two months ago. Um, yeah, I mean, Erling texted me, and then it was with my with the agents, uh, with my agent. They talked with they talk with the club and everything. But yeah, that's basically how it went. What did Erling say? He said they just asked him about me. Um, obviously, I think they already made their plans. But they just wanted some more information and they asked Erling about me. I didn't know what he said. I don't know what he said. Maybe <laughs> I hope just good words. Uh, I think that's why, that's why I um, came here as well. Pep was saying after the derby last week that the team was doing a lot of basic stuff wrong. And normally, after any game, he's really full of praise and positive. But when he says stuff like that, is it different? I know you've not been here too long, but is, it, is training different after that? Does he... Does he work extra hard on, on the certain aspects that he talks to us about and how was how was the week after the United game was he happy with you was he upset how, how, how did it work yeah he was happy with us that we won the game but he's he's demanding a lot he wants us to get better and better every day and that's what why he tells us also like the mistakes that we did and we need to improve in that that we have a game maybe like today that we don't concede a goal and we don't do the mistakes that we did against United and yeah that's what I think, especially me as a coach, that's what I want. Uh, as a player, that's what I want from my coach, that he, that he makes me better. And then we come in, we, get, uh, we do the video sessions, we do the stuff in training, then we try to improve, and I think today worked really well. I know I said it's gone, it's gone well, and you said you, you, you kind of expect that, but people already, fans I've heard, are already comparing you to like Vincent Company. Like, what do you say about that? Is that a nice, is that a nice thing? Is that something you welcome? Yeah, of course. I think uh, Vincent Company at, at his at his times he was he was one of the best def- or he was the best defender in Premier League. I think and maybe the best in the world. And when I'm getting compared to a player like this, it's a it's a big honor. But in the end, I'm trying to do my own thing. I'm not trying to copy Vincent Company. Um, if they see me like this, it's it's okay. I'm I'm happy with it. But yeah, in the end, I'm on the country and I'm trying to do my thing. Who were the centre backs that you kind of looked up to when you were a younger player? Yeah, I think Vincent Company is one of it. Um, I think Sergio Ramos or Sergio Ramos. I'm not still not sure how he can uh, how you spell his name, but um, he's like over the time he's been for so many years. Yeah, maybe one one of the best centre backs that has ever played. And I think these are the kind of players that I look up to. So that was uh, Manuel Akanji speaking in the mix zone. Um, nothing but positivity from uh, both of them there, Sam. Yeah, well, I didn't. First of all, I didn't want to go down that route of oh, everybody thought you were shit, but you've been really good. Like that wasn't. Obviously, that wasn't what I had in mind. Yeah, yeah. But I know that some, but sometimes those questions can be taken that way. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you've been great. Because also he could turn around and say, actually, I want to improve on this, this, and this. And I've, you know, I've not even started yet. But I was like, I think you've been great. Maybe better than expected. What do you think? But he was just like, no, believe in myself. So it's kind of like I was saying earlier about Haaland and that mentality to always improve and always think you're, you know, always be in the right frame of mind and always back yourself. Like, Akanji's like that. And, you know, if you're talking about writing articles about players that people are going to read or, or editors want to publish, Haaland is the, the eye-grabbing one and Akanji's probably down the other end of that scale. 
because he's just not that interested in being a centre back that not many people have heard of. That's just how the world works. But they're all they've all got that kind of attitude, and yeah, um, he does think very, you know, positively, and it shouldn't be a surprise. But yeah, they all do. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Because how difficult is it to, to come into this city team? And he's been really impressive so far. Uh, you know, I think he'll get better as well. And then yeah, he was immediately used in one of those weird hybrid roles that is is a right back, but also was just kind of a right sided centre back in the back three. And yeah, got, got to take on those principles and know which positions to be in and, and when to do it. And you know, he took all that on really quickly. And I mean, yeah, in terms in terms of better than expected, I don't know if any, I don't think anybody expected him to be this good, considering how Aki came in and he was like, okay, he's going to need time. And you know, it took like eighteen months for him to really get it. For then a Kanji, who nobody knew City were going to sign anyway, until right at the end. Go, you know, who's this guy? What's it got? What's going on here? Oh, by the way, he's better than Vincent Company. Like it's been, it's been a bit of a war. <laughs> it's been time. a wild, a bit of ride, hasn't it? Yeah. Just if if you, well, if if City sells him tomorrow, how much money do do, do you think that they, that that they will get? Yeah, it's it's oh, far yeah. it's like far far more 60 than the fifteen million, maybe. Yeah, far more than the fifteen million they pay. Yeah. At least forty, yeah. At least, At least 40. 40. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just want to pick up on a thread that, that kind of Sam left dangling there, Paul, because um, Akanji might have played right back uh, in, in the Southampton game, but it wasn't really right back, was it? He, was, he, he wasn't kind of, he wasn't getting up and down the line like you would expect a right back to do. And he wasn't doing what Guardiola was asking Kyle Walker to do earlier in the season. He, he's very, he was very much kind of a, a right centre back. Yeah, I think that it was practically like a back three and Cancelo was a left winger, basically. Um, but some, at, at some occasions, we could see how Akanji just didn't have the fear just to carry the ball up, up the pitch when, when it was needed to. So I think, yeah, but basically I think that uh, he is this kind of guy that um, probably the, the money that City paid for him helped him in in terms of not being so much like on the spotlight or in the radar or in the headlines. Um, but yeah, he's just a guy that he just, he just like looks like so clever and so made to, to play on the Pep. Um, that if you see Pep that happy right now with City, with the team, with the, with the situation he is right now, I think it's because deals like Manuel Akanji, basically. Because City has been able basically to provide him just every kind of piece that he asked for. Um, I think that if you if you ask any City fan at the start of the season, would you like City having five, five centre-backs? Um, not many of them would agree with that view. Um, but now I think that no one can complain about Manuel Akanji and about all the, all the options that it gave to the team. And yeah, with the cost that it had, of course. Yeah, Sam, is this just a Guardiola solution to a, a problem in, in many ways that... Like, yeah, sure, City have got five centre-backs and we'll probably see them play in this back three sort of thing a bit more often given Kyle Walker's injury and, and given the number of senior fullbacks they've got. Um, but it's just a different way of playing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of like looking at what squad options he's got and going, right, OK, well, we'll do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the opposition as well. So I don't know if he'll do it against Copenhagen. I don't know if he'll do it against Liverpool. I can't imagine he'll do it in both. Um, I, I feel like there was something like this recently Oh, it was just the fullbacks coming into midfield, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, at the start, obviously, like you, you say it like that, and it doesn't sound new. But at the start of the season, it definitely did feel like kind of old principles, kind of repackaged into 
being something new. You know, the way that Walker was using the ball and the way that they were kind of such a tight line of three. It did feel like, okay, is this the way to go? But, you know, the players that were available, it was your position at the time, and then, you know, kind of moved away from that. Yeah, these things just kind of come and go. and You know, Anfield at the weekend, I'm, I'm sure there'll be something else. But it does seem like a wise use of personnel, you know, with not many fullbacks. Um, well, now, now it's just Cancelo, obviously Gomez, but, you know, Gomez is kind of not trusted quite as much as a Kanji, let's say, you know, obviously yeah. a Kanji has been Develop like, you, you go in and crack on. And Gomez has been like, okay, you come on now and kind of learn the ropes a bit more, which is fine. Um, but if you've just got Cancelo who's ready to start as a fullback at Anfield, it does make sense, especially because you've got five centre-backs soon who will be fit, you are maybe four at the moment, who will be hoping to play. If you can play three of them in one go and limit the demands on the new guy, Gomez, who you're kind of betting in, it does make sense, but you know there will be games when it's like actually no, I do want, I do want Cancelo and I do want Gomez, and we'll do it this way. And then there'll be other games when it's like actually yeah, this will work quite well. Yeah, Sam, I was quite interested as well in uh, hearing that his his first hit, the first time he heard that uh, City were interested was from a text from Haaland. Yeah, um, he, he can do no wrong, can he, Haaland? <laughs> no, I, just, I just I just thought that was interesting, and um, I mean I, I imagine. Between getting that text and actually finding out from your agent that it was on, I wonder what he was thinking. Like because obviously that opportunity to join City so late in the window as well, you'd be thinking, like that's obviously amazing. But at what point would you like start to think it was happening? Like yeah. if your mate texts you and say, "Oh yeah, like my boss was asking about you the other day," you'd be like, "I wonder what that's about." And like in any walk of life. But then when when that boss is well, not necessarily Pep, but you know maybe it was Pep, maybe it was cheeky, whatever. And you think, hold on a minute. Am I going to be going to Man City next week? Like that, I'd love, I'd love to know. Um, I'd love to know what he was thinking. If only somebody was in a position to ask him that question <laughs> at the weekend. Yeah, next if time. Only, if only. he seems like one of those good lads who will do the mix zone, unless he's got sick of us doing it two two weeks in a row. And we've asked him about countdown and yeah, um, text messages. He might, might be maybe he's sick of it now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we might be hearing a lot from him during yeah. the season. I, I, got, I was thinking, though, while I was listening to him speak, because I, I, I kind of get why the countdown and the text message questions come around. And that's that's because uh, he can speak. And he speaks kind of... Yeah. There's there's an honesty there. And like you can see that he, it's not... Sure, he's, he's, he'll have been media trained like every other player on the planet. But like there's there's a there's a way in which he speaks that is is within the frames of the media training but also offers something that isn't just the plain old uh, you know we played well today we've got to keep working hard sort of thing and like that identity poll um like he when when you when you listen to him speak he, he wasn't phased by the comparisons to Vincent company i mean i made them on on the show the other week um and you listen to the way he talks. He say he said like like I like that, but equally I'm not trying to be that. I'm just trying to be myself. And you kind of get that with the way he speaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's like a non. There's a, he he's a bit. I, I don't know if he's naive because I don't think naive is the right word probably here. But he looked like so innocent that he yeah he's just speak like the truth how it is. Um, I don't think he's um, at the same level of company in terms of. I think that company had more lo- a message like as a leader or just he, when he spoke, you could feel that it was kind of the voice of the dressing room. Um, but maybe eventually Akanji can get there. Um, we, we still don't know that. But yeah, I mean, I can see why people compare a scheme with Pinson company inside the pitch. I think that probably 
well, probably not. With the with the ball at his foot, he's better than company. Um, but yeah, uh, of course, there is a company did that for for several years. Akanji has been here just for three months, so still a long time to go. But yeah, I think he's that kind of personality that that um, it never hurts in the dressing room. Um, you always want to have him. Um, you, I mean, these kind of guys will. I'm, I'm not going to say never, but it, it's hard they're going to become a bad influence in the dressing room. So, yeah, great business for City. Now, for the second part of today's show, we're joined by Giles Elliott. He's the author of the new book called Pep Talk. It's all about the witticisms, sayings and insults from City boss Pep Guardiola. Hi, Giles. Morning. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Um, so, I mean, in terms of uh, kind of Guardiola in front of the microphone, um, you must like you've spent a, a while collating some of the things that he said. What What are your favourite things that he's uh, that he kind of comes out with? Well, it was an interesting one, interesting one, really, because when I started out, I was thinking, you know, he's not going to be particularly angry about anything in press conferences. I thought he'd be more guarded, but as time has gone on, I think he's become a bit more honest. Um, but what was fun was delving back into previous eras as well. So my favourite quote in the book is actually for when he was in Italy and uh, when he said, would I, why would I need performance-enhancing drugs to play against Piacenza? You know, there's these forgotten eras of, uh, of Guardiola's life, both as a player and as a coach. Yeah, I mean, Sam, you've often said uh, that when Guardiola has something to say, he just says it. Yeah, and I, it's not it's not always as memorable as that and it's not always stuff that, would get into a book, but like a couple of times this season, for example, after games, you know, he said, oh, you know, we're, we're waiting desperately for Mares to come back to the player he is. And then you know then, whether it's as a journalist or a fan, that there's something he wants to get off his chest and he has done. And then he kind of leaves those breadcrumbs there for you to join the dots on. But then obviously there'd be the more memorable ones. Um, like, you know, after City had the cast ruling go in their favour and, you know, he, he basically used it to call out all you know those ten clubs that had written to Cass and and all of those things and he kind of rounded on Arsenal and there was a team that he kind of double, did a double take on as he reeled them all off and yeah those kind of things if, if he has got something to say he definitely will say it and you know I'm sure Giles well Giles has definitely got a big list of those yeah <laughs> I mean the, the research took obviously a long time and you know timing is everything with books and uh, it took actually a while to persuade publishers to take this one on uh, I'd previously done a book on Jurgen Klopp called The Little Red Book of Klopp and the original idea was basically Chairman Mao's Little Red Book full of silly sayings by Klopp um and um, that coincided, luckily, with Liverpool winning the title, though the publishers didn't want to do another one after then. Um, so I turned to another publisher and, and they said, yep, yeah, yeah, Pepper work. And, and the timing, as far as I'm concerned, will be perfect if City win the Champions League, which is a section of the book which is uh, still unfinished, as it were. Yeah, I mean, Paul, is, he, is Guardiola different when he's in Spanish? Because you're the, you're the native Spanish speaker. What's, uh, what's he like in another language? Yeah, I think that in Spanish, of course, he can like... Um, put his message across quite easily. And in Spanish, he's always been that guy, as Sam was saying, like when he wants to say something, he just does it. Um, I also have the feeling that he's really aware of when he's like on a press conference. He's really aware that he's kind of playing a role there, kind of um, sending a message to the dressing room as well, at the same time being as honest as he can. Um, and in Spanish, I think that he he might look like yeah he can find like an escape route to anything or he just can explain any kind of question in 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 a words that are not going to be too bad for the team but at the same time are going to be um sharp enough to send the message that he wants to 
It looks to me, though, that he's enjoying it more as, as time goes on. And and it's almost as though uh, the game is now in playing by his rules rather than the journalist's rules. Would you agree with that? Uh, you mean here here in England? Because I'd say that yeah, here, here in England, England, yeah. Yeah, he's quite... He's kind of tired of the amount of like media interviews that he has to do because, of course, like Premier League and yeah, all the um, all the deals that the club and the league has closed. Um, but yeah, I think that he's kind of, I think that and and that Zobiuski he's like more comfortable like in an English perspective than in a Spanish perspective. Just any time that Spanish clubs has came over like the UK to play against City in the Champions League. It's been a messy press conference, so um, I think that yeah, he he finds it more comfortable like like in England. But at the same time, I'd say that I can feel that he's tired by the amount of things that he has to do. But I mean, that's, but he knows that's he has to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how the business is. Just said that right now. Yeah, Giles, I'm interested in um, kind of. It's not always what he says, though, is it? It's always kind of the. It's sometimes the way he says it. Yes, there's, um, as I said, a bit of a subtext to things. And what I found most interesting is the shorter quotes. So when he goes off on a rant or um, tries to explain something, you know, he can be slightly repetitive. But if you actually edit it down to the smaller things, and there's one quote in the section called Tactics where he says, ideas belong to everyone, and I've stolen as many as I could. Um, and, you know, that's a very odd thing to say for someone who basically set himself up as, you know, um, well, not as a bit of a genius. He'd never call himself that. But uh, I think there's an element of in his personality that he knows how good he is. Yeah, he's, he's, he himself. I mean, the, the number of times where um, the trope is that Guardiola overthinks things all the time. Um, you know, we've spent you know, hours and hours on this podcast explaining some of the decisions <laughs> that he's made. Um, but you're right, isn't it? Like, like, there, there, there's, there's a modesty there, isn't there? there? There is a modesty, I think. And um, he knows that he is not as big as football and the history of football. And he keeps going on about City saying, you know, they're not as big as a club as, as United and um, Liverpool and even Arsenal. But, I, you know, there's, there's a tongue in a cheek there, isn't there? And yeah. I found it interesting coming as a non-City fan, um, though I've always had a bit of a, a soft spot, especially for the way City came back from dropping down the leagues. I should explain I'm a Wimbledon fan, so I know all about that. Um, and um, I've, I've got to like him more and more as, as the process has gone on, which has been part of the enjoyment of putting the book together. Yeah, Sam, when you sit down in a in a press conference and you're kind of ahead of the press conference and you're thinking, well, what, what are we going to chat to him about today? Like there are types of question that he bites on, aren't there? There are there are things that he likes talking about and things that you know are just not going to get a good reaction. Uh, yeah, there are. Um, I couldn't say I could really put my finger on it now. I mean, yesterday in the press conference before the Copenhagen game didn't go especially well. I asked him about just because there was because there was nothing particularly that jumped out. So on games like this, where it's obviously not a massive game, and like, even if City don't win there's plenty of other chances to sort it because they're in such a good position and they're so much better than the opposition as well. Um, but I was, oh, it was after the first Champions League game when he said, oh, Foden had been good and he hadn't necessarily been good. So I said, right, he's, he said that. Since then, I think he's played pretty well. What do you think? And then he, he answered about the team. He was, oh, yeah, he was, we've, we've been good at this. We've been good at that. I think we have been better. And I was like, that is a very good answer. That's actually really interesting. But I did ask about Phil Foden. He didn't, but he, like, he didn't understand the first one. He didn't really understand the second one, which is I mean, unusual. 
Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then he just went. I, I went. It's about Foden. He was. I think he's been good. He was. Oh yeah, really good. And that was it. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> so, so yesterday. So it doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with him and think you may you, you may have a you know a handle on how to get answers. It, it does. You know, it doesn't always work. And yesterday was a fine example of that. Yeah, he's always got his his guard up, hasn't he? To a, to a certain extent, and and I think accentuating the importance of family in his life and um you know i ended the book with a section just called pep on life and you know i think at the the end of the day you know he uses that as his um you know when he does switch off which is probably never um um, the way that he can actually deflect uh, any questions away from just so much press conference as you say Paul, when I mean, when it comes to kind of the way he's answering questions in press conferences, like there is, there's always the opportunity that he can that he can choose to not understand the question because he's not dealing in his in his um, in his first language. But also, the like, is it hard sometimes to to kind of get out of him what you what you need or what you want to hear from him? Yeah, because I mean, I think that the example that Sam said is just like the perfect. Yeah, just a perfect example of the because there's an element of man management there. Um, Pep probably, and I don't know that I'm just like speculating here, but probably he didn't want to hype up so much Phil Foden on on some question yesterday, or he didn't want to highlight Phil Foden that much in the eyes of the dressing room because who knows why. Um, but my feeling is that when you ask him something, of course he understands the questions uh, like 99% of the times. But um, if he doesn't give you like the straight answer, it's basically because he feels that he can't, or or that the best thing for the team is just not doing it. Um, is, he, is he ever worried about being misquoted in that sense? I think so, and I think that the, the, this is a concern or a danger that can happen in English rather than in Spanish. But I think that yeah, just over the past years, like it has happened to him like so many times that he's he's kind of like. Um, yeah, he knows how it goes. He knows how the drill is. Um, so, yeah. But one thing that happens when you're transcribing from press conferences, and I'm, I'm a former journalist myself, um, you realise that there's about seven different versions that come out anyway. Um, and when you're putting together, you know, the definitive quote, especially as, you know, I hope there'll be a Spanish version of the book, um, trying to find what he actually said in the right context is, is virtually impossible. So, um, you have to get a bit editorial and just sort of say, well, that looks quite good as a quote to me. Um, so I'll, I'll hold my hands up and, and say that I've omitted the odd word here and then where it didn't make any sense. Yeah, Sam, he's, uh, I, I did it um, a bit earlier on, but I, I've quite nicely smoothed it out in the edit. Um, he does this thing sometimes that I really like in press conferences where you can you can tell how involved he is in it all, even if he doesn't like doing it. You can tell how involved he is by the times when he's gone, sorry, can you repeat the question? Because I was still thinking about the previous answer that I've given. Yeah, or sometimes, like sometimes, not, not too often, but the same kind of thing, the next journalist will start asking a question and then he'll he'll just think of something else that he was just talking about. And then he'll, he'll carry on straight away with that. Um, yeah, but again, so the kind, the question I asked yesterday, he was then answering a question later on. And then he was like, he was talking about not the team as a whole. He was like, that's why with this question over here, he goes, he goes sometimes I don't think about individuals. I'm thinking more about how the, the team is functioning or whatever. So it was kind of like, it was kind of reassuring in a way that he was like, for whatever reason, didn't seem to be in that mind frame to to focus on that particular aspect. You know, on any on any given day. You know, some days it could be it could be completely different. You know, some some days it'll, it'll be worried about an injury. Some days it'll be thinking more about 
out, you know, when he said after the derby, the team aren't doing the simple things properly. You know, some days there'll be something else. But yeah, he can be so kind of in his head about certain things. And then, yeah, he'll he'll just carry on and drop things in. Or, you know, the, the, the best one, though, that I just thought of then is, is a crossover with the sarcastic comments. I remember a couple of years ago when, when he said, I think quite innocently, maybe it wasn't innocently, maybe he's that good at throwing shade now that he can really throw it under the radar. But when he said, like, Bayern Munich and Juventus are the best, most solid teams around Europe for the last few years because they win the league all the time and that's what they want. And obviously everybody in Madrid hated that because they were like, well, we've won the Champions League loads. And I thought, was it Scolari who was a Real Madrid manager? And he hated that and he made some comments. Like Guardiola was asked about it afterwards. And then he was really sarcastic about that. I'm sure Paul will remember exactly what he said. But that was one of those where he finished his answer, gave it a couple of seconds of silence, and then he was like, I hope Scalari is happy with that, or whatever it was. Yeah. But it, yeah, when, it, when he does it that way, that, that's one of my favourite Guardiola yeah, ways he, of Guardiola deliveries. His silences are very good. Um, it's like the one where he um, says with a sort of a mock look of surprise, of just like, what, people don't like Liverpool? <laughs> Um, when he was just talking about them not being the most uh, popular club in the uh, the country, that was uh, uh, brilliantly timed. Yeah, he had a whole he had a whole thing at the end of last season about how everyone was supporting Liverpool as well, and that was. I mean, let, let's get into exactly, that, Giles, yeah. because um, like there's there is a sort of side eye that comes with a with a lot of his comments. What what really gets under his skin? Do you think from having looked back at uh, at what he says? I think what really gets under his skin is that he's had it the accusation that he's had it easier at clubs. So, you know, walking into Barcelona, um, you know, he couldn't do anything but win. Bayern Munich were always going to be champions every year he was there and that City had the most money and therefore it was a walk in the park to win as many titles as he had. He always stresses the number of titles that he's won. You know, it's 21 in seven years, whatever. You know, he he keeps an ongoing tally. So I think it's the idea that it's been handed to him on a platter Whereas, in fact, the pressure at Bayern was obviously enormous to get something more than the Bundesliga. The pressure at City to um, to get so many back-to-back titles, you know, is incredible. And um, the, the the very nature of uh, of Barcelona being a cauldron and the circumstances he he left it under, you know, which was extremely acrimonious, which um, again surprised me when I was doing the research for the book. So, you know, I think that, he's that really he wants to like imagine how much it might have winds him up. <laughs> Um, so yes I think it's you know he's he he wants to beat his chest and say no 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 it has been me as well as my team and as well as my players so he's he's an enormously proud man yeah yeah Sam when was um when was don't talk too loud Barcelona that was a ah yeah I I don't I can't I can't put a time that because I can't link that to like the the days after the FFP decision it wasn't was it I think it was before that wasn't it I've got a feeling it was after um, because he kind of foresaw all that financial shambles that they had come in. You know, it was my, it was probably like a few months before Messi ended up leaving around then. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah they, it was before a, Messi left. There's a lot of that. 100% sure because Messi left with Laporta and the comments that he made were with Bartomeu in charge of Barcelona. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's again, that's an example of, uh, of, of the, the sort of the, the the almost kind of like stand up like timing he's got when he uh, when he delivers these sorts of things. It's uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's that it's that one. I know I mentioned it earlier, but that one when he when he reeled off those list of ten clubs that had written, and he and he was going through them, and he did a double take on one. Was it like Wolves? 
Yeah, I can't, it, remember, yeah. I can't remember which one it was, <laughs> but he was like, he was going through them and he was like, he was like Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton, Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton. <laughs> like Chelsea, Villa, whatever. It, it, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. He is really good at that, and like the the Spanish, the Spanish ones are good. Um, but in terms of like when Paul said earlier, he's had some difficult press conferences when Spanish teams have come to like Manchester. Um, the Atletico Madrid ones last season were murder because he was accused of. Oh, I can't even remember the, what he was accused of saying the exact phrase, but it, no, that was it because he said the word like prehistoric. No. Yeah, and then was it Coque? had taken that and like put it on his, on yeah. his Instagram. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. like proud to be prehistoric. And then like Simeone had mentioned it and then like, all yeah. the journalists, and that was in the first game at home. And then the away game, everyone was like, like literally every Spanish reporter was like, well, you said this about being prehistoric, but they're actually pretty good or but this. And he was like, well, I didn't say that. And then the next question was, well, he said they were prehistoric, but, and he was like, I didn't say this. And he was just like, <laughs> really, really pissed off. And again, like it was annoying me because like, and again, like, Giles was saying in terms of the context, the context was the day before he was talking about, like, so he, got, he was asked a tactical question and he, like, referred to it like a recent book by Marty Perrinel. And he was like, he actually said the word prehistoric in that. Like, you know, these things, he goes, what I'm doing isn't new. Again, kind of alluding to what Giles said earlier. What I'm doing isn't new. These things have been going on since, like, prehistoric times. And it was that, that word was kind of in his head. And then obviously after the game, when Atletico Madrid had defended with that kind of five-five formation, he was like, he was like, now forever in the prehistoric times, it's always going to be difficult to defend against that team, to defend, sorry, to attack against that setup. But yeah, he was kind of taken out of context. But again, you know, maybe he is that good at throwing shade that he does do it under the radar. But I would have honestly said, if I had to guess, there, there was no way he meant it that way. But then he just had to like every question was, oh, you 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 said this. He's like, I didn't. There's, there's a nice quote about Simeone in the book, though, where, again, you know, he's um, said it so cleverly in two ways. He says about Simeone, he doesn't want to take the risk in the build-up, but after that, they have quality. So, you know, it's it's a nice little barb thrown in there, first of all. And then he ends it by saying, I'm not going to talk one second about these stupid debates. So, you know, he's he, he can add fuel to the fire when he needs to. Yeah, he's, uh, he's always happy to, isn't he, Giles? Uh, Giles, thank you very much for, for joining us uh, to talk about the, uh, the, the, the book. When's it out for us? Uh, it's out next week, 20th of October, um, at, uh, I'd like to say, all good bookshops, but certainly online, if nowhere else. Lovely stuff. Uh, Giles Elliott, thank you very much. Cheers, thank you. And that's the end of this week's Why Always Us, so thanks as well to Sam Lee. Thank you very much. And Paul Bias. Thank you very much, guys. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.